0: great news fellow urban property investors the illegal queensland land tax grab has been aborted today's show is all about your economic freedoms being stolen day after day today we live in a have and have not society and of course for those people who invest their time to create money and turn that money into assets they often get punished because they are seen as the haves inside society. Your economic rights, your property rights are under attack. Today's show really does showcase that you need to be on guard, invest more than ever before. The biggest problem today is not interest rates, it's what Australia will look like 20 years from now will australia be an easier place to live or a much harder place will your economic freedoms be challenged over that period today's show covers off on that it does mention the illegal queensland land tax fortunately this economic freedom has been saved but what next you need to be on guard so i hope you enjoy today's show Australia has made people wealthy but people have not made themselves wealthy. Now today of course there's big conversations around real estate you know of course it's it's uh, prices have adjusted, uh, interest rates are on the move, things cost more, all that kind of stuff and I do wonder that many people are going to listen to that rhetoric and maybe sit on the fence for some time when it comes to being an investor and I think Really, from what I can see, that's probably one of the worst things you can do. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, a code cracker, we're going to dig into your economic freedoms. Yes, are you going to end up economically free when you retire, or is the nature of Australia's economics changing so rapidly? We can't bank on just Australia doing the lion's share of the lifting, When it comes to being even more economic prosperous than it has been in the past. Now, it's fair to say Australia has been a very prosperous country. It has grown year on year for many, many, many years. Economically speaking, you have to go back to like 1991 when there was a proper legit recession. In fact, I left school around that era. And when I left school, the unemployment rate was eleven percent. Youth unemployment thirty five percent. So we went through so uh, a, such a long period of time where we had stability and economic growth all the way up to basically the pandemic. We dodged Asian financial crises. We dodged the global financial crisis. We dodged uh, you know September eleven stuff. We dodged all sorts of problems which many other countries. Uh, actually suffered from now that obviously led to a lot of prosperity and Australians today Australians today are very prosperous people We're we're not poor we're going good however let's fast forward for a moment down the track let's have the conversation when you go into retirement 15 years 20 years 25 years from now Will things in Australia be better or will they be harder? And I think it's a big conversation because a lot of Australians have got lucky because Australia has done so well rather than them actually taking a financial position to be wealthier. In other words, Australia has made people wealthy, but people have not made themselves wealthy. Now, today, of course, there's big conversations around real estate. You know, of course, it's it's uh, prices have adjusted, uh, interest rates are on the move, things cost more, all that kind of stuff. And I do wonder that many people are going to listen to that rhetoric and maybe sit on the fence for some time when it comes to being an investor. And I think really from what I can see, that's probably one of the worst things you can do because we only have so many working years in our life. So many years we can put capital into the market. And really our biggest problem inside of economics is making sure we take our own responsibility to create our own wealth. Now, a lot of people do that in all sorts of asset classes. I just tend to do it in real estate. I like the idea that the closer I get to retirement, the more of the real estate I own. And of course, eventually when I pull the trigger on retirement, I won't be thinking about the pension or even my superannuation. I will be thinking about all the rent coming in from the rental properties I've acquired. Now, again, when it comes to our economic freedoms, Australia is mostly a free place. Like, we ranked 12th in the world for economic freedoms. And a large uh, reason to that high score has been we've really had three decades where things have gone pretty well. Now, of course, we had a technical recession in the pandemic, and the pandemic opened the floodgates when it came to stimmies, a lot of the reason why so many people became even more wealthy during the pandemic was off the back of the stimulus boom. A lot of money was pumped into the economy. And of course, what that did was create uh, a wealth effect. And many Australians were the beneficiary of that wealth effect. But as we know, Australia just can't constantly print money to pump the wealth effect. It has a flow on effect. Now for the next 10 years, I think Australia and property and everything's just going to chug along. There'll be good years, there'll be bad years, there'll be years it's cheaper to buy than rent, all sorts of stuff. However, I do think our economic freedoms are being eroded and I do believe that when we come to our years of retirement, Australia economically will be a different place. As such, it is just so important you bulletproof yourself by investing in yourself and the best way to invest in yourself is education and also become an investor. Investors buy income-producing assets, and real estate is, of course, uh, in my viewpoint, the best income-producing asset. Now, Australia, like many countries around the world, is not immune to global things happening. And when we study demographics, there are some big things unfolding into the next decade or beyond the next decade Which we need to be mindful of because Australia's prosperity, particularly of the recent couple of decades, has been built off mining booms, spending uh, infrastructure budgets to produce more minerals to export to emerging economies. And of course, our biggest trading partner today is China and it takes up around 36% of our exports. Today in Australia, around 64% of people are working and propping up those that are not working. But just understanding those two little elements of Australia's economic prosperity into the future, we need to be very, very mindful the world is changing. Now, some of the big changes ahead, of course, is the world's population is actually in decline. We have now reached a maximum sort of space of where we uh, are getting to when it comes to population. Um, There has been less people having babies and Australia has been very good at going, you know what, we're not producing enough babies. Let's still people from other countries and stimulate them to come to Australia, make sure they're skilled and put them in the economy. And by doing so, we instantly get a taxpayer. And if we get an instant taxpayer that connects to the economy, all of a sudden we're able to continue economic growth. A lot of countries are not blessed to be an attraction magnet for other people around the world. I mean, how many people today want to move to Russia? Not that many, right? How many people want to move to, you know, a country which is ravaged by wars and things like that? No one. People, however, do see Australia as a bit of a safe haven and because of our university systems tend to want to move here. But again, uh, we do live in a global world And as such, we do have some things to consider. And I think some of the big economic challenges into the future are going to be driven around the idea that some of Australia's biggest uh, influences on productivity being our – we produce a lot of resources, we send it off to emerging countries – is one and two is that we rely on the world to have people that we can take in to produce more products and services now a lot of the world is onto this this is the thing you know and again is it going to be harder when we retire or easier this is really the the question uh, should we invest now or wait down the track? And I think waiting down the track has going to have its own consequences. It's going to get harder because the world also needs people. Now, today in Hungary, the country of Hungary, uh, if you are a parent to four children, you do not pay income tax. Such is the problem of the taxpayer decline inside of countries in other words people and countries are not producing enough future taxpayers that hungary has gone to the level of basically saying if you have four children you pay no tax now i think this is a brilliant idea an absolute brilliant idea because let's face it um if countries need to grow they're going to have to harvest future workforce the the future workforce future taxpayers and you know rather than just import people because your own population can't keep up with the need for more productivity this scheme makes a lot of sense to me i'd love to see this scheme uh put into australian economics and when you think about it right uh if a person has four kids they're their responsibility their quality of life their cost of living it's huge compared to someone with no kids so why wouldn't you have a system whereby someone who is producing future taxpayers actually pays less tax makes a lot of sense to me now again there are countries around the world in total population decline most of Eastern European countries today are in just massive population decline. There's a lot of old people. There's not a lot of young people. And because there's not a lot of young people, those economies are just faltering. Now, this happened in Greece. Greece basically had a high level of people reached pension, the pension phase of their life and had to pay for it and didn't have the money to actually pay for the pension and all the pensioners, there was wasn't enough taxpayers in the system. The way uh, a lot of the workforce that was uh, took up the pension roles, they came from government. And then all of a sudden, there was just too much governance and too many people in government jump out of work, take early retirement and want the pension, and there was just not enough money to go around. I think we can all cast our mind back, you know, uh, seven or eight years to when Greece actually went bankrupt. The Greek economy went bankrupt. Now, the reason I'm talking about the population wars, I think Australia is going to have to navigate through population economics as it continues to steer its way through the future. Would I be investing in property now, knowing that we are very, very stable around this space? Absolutely. Would I be choosing real estate with good fundamentals? Absolutely. Will things get harder into the future or easier? I think come the 2030s, come the 2040s, things are going to get a lot harder. Australia potentially is also going to run into a problem whereby its biggest trading partner is also in population decline. Now, again, when we measure economic output, quite often it's the 3P model, participation, how many people are in your workforce working. If you've got not enough people in your workforce working, obviously you're going to run into a problem. Participation. Population growth is the second P. The more people You have in your economy, fundamentally, you've got more taxes you can extract out of your economy. Hence why Hungary wants to basically swap your future four kids for your tax today. I think that's amazing. And of course, productivity is just the idea that countries produce things. Now, China has arguably reached its tipping point. Of population growth. It will not grow any further. It will not become a bigger country than what it is today. Its participation rate, today there's more old people than young people and of course one of the decisions some 20-30 years ago was a one-child policy in China. So this was always coming, the day of reckoning whereby there was, uh, you basically had Two parents producing one child, obviously, that means the population is going to halve. When the population halves, so does productivity. Now, what has this all got to do with the price of fish? Well, China's population projections are suggested to come off their current high, as China's population is 1.4 billion people, and start to decline over the next decades ahead by 20 uh really by 2050 you know the population base is going to come down a couple of hundred million people And by 2100 will long since be gone but china's population will be closer to 600 million people now remember australia has gone through like three decades of economic growth a lot of it has been because we teamed up With China to sell them stuff and of course as we fast forward 20 years our retirement we start to see that China's economic prosperity if you like participation population growth growth, and its productivity starts to become less of a thing. So Australia is Australia's biggest export partner, its biggest customer is declining. And of course, when it comes to what you can do about that, Australia has a few other options, which hopefully will unfold for more economic prosperity. And of course, one of those options is to work closer with another emerging economy, the economy of India. But the problem of both of population decline and productivity decline is something that of course is going to be layered into Australia's economic freedoms or future economic freedoms. Now, again, this is why I think it's just critically important to stick to fundamentals with real estate. Australia is really an economy based on services, based on a few big players. If you look at our biggest companies, a lot of them are banks, a lot of them are insurance companies, a lot of them are property companies. And what I can tell you about that is because they are banks, property companies, and insurance companies, big workforces that surround them are located in major urban areas. This is why I'm called the Urban Property Investor, because I like to follow where there is good levels of jobs. And, of course, if you look at some of our other big companies, a lot of them are mining companies, a lot of them are agricultural companies. And when we look at, of course, where most people work in Australia, it is a small business, which is the other thing is, where are all the small businesses? So, again, like I know there is – Rhetoric at the moment, you know, like interest rates are higher than what they were when, you know, like nothing was open we were all living inside our uh, cave during the pandemic. But, of course, they're going to be more expensive. This is not your problem. And if you're betting on that being your problem, you're betting on the wrong actual problem. You've got to replace your income before Australia actually reaches the tipping point where Australia at a global level – Finds it harder, harder to produce. Now, when it comes to economic freedoms, it's kind of like four quadrants, if you like the rule of law, the size of the government, how efficient things are inside a country or over regulated or under regulated, and just how open a market is. Now, again, over the last 30 years, we've had so many good economic freedoms inside of Australia. We've had trade freedoms, free trade agreements with great countries around the world. You as a person can invest in real estate. You can invest in the share market. You can invest in crypto. You can do all sorts of stuff as an individual inside of Australia. However, will things actually get harder for people? This is the conversation. Are we actually, uh, if we're sitting on the fence for the next five years, is that actually going to cause us more harm than just paying another 1% for money? I actually think it potentially will because closer to a retirement era, things are going to get harder. Uh, if you look at the government size in Australia today, Australia is a massive government. Uh, it is, It has so many layers of government. It has the federal government, the state's government. It has the local government. There is government departments for everything. And in some respects, having traveled through many places in Australia of recent times, small towns, regional communities, a lot of these places now only exist because government does the Canberra theory. The Canberra theory, of course, is the idea that Canberra is kind of a bulletproof marketplace because everyone who works there is paid by the taxpayer. What you do then is you find towns which are diminishing, places where really there is no industry. You put a government department there. All of a sudden, the, gov- the Department of, I don't know, Social Services is located in that area. In that uh, small town, in that uh, moderate-sized city, 10,000 workers now live there. And because those people are government-backed, there is confidence for that city. Again, when it comes back to our economic freedoms, we've got to pay for government. So are the taxes that are created to pay for the size of government actually becoming a burden? And this is how economic freedom quite often is measured. There's four real measurements, but 12 things that are measured overall. The first of the four, rule of law. Second, government size. Third, regulatory efficiency. Fourth, market openness. Now, today, Australia ranks 12th in the world for economic freedom. It is a mostly free place. It's got great, uh, you know, for example, rule of law, like, it's got great judges. It's got, you know, a fair trial is, you know, if you went to court, you're, you're probably, you know, for the most part, going to have a fair day out. Many countries don't have a solid rule of law and are fundamentally corrupt. Now, again, trying to get ahead in a corrupt country is virtually impossible if you do not enter corruption. And so for many people around the world, they do not want to be a corrupt human being and join the corruption, so they struggle to make ends meet. I don't think Australia is ever going to fall into that problem of economic freedom. But certainly when I look at some of the other rules of law, do I think they are going to be freer into the future or less free? Uh, I think, for example, property rights will be less free. What does that actually mean? Well, we're already seeing it today. uh, The Queensland premier wants to tax people for owning real estate in New South Wales. If they also own real estate in Queensland as an investor, that is an attack on your property rights. That is an attack on your freedom. Why? Because government is the biggest industry in Australia and government needs taxes today. When we measure how free Australia is, it is mostly free. But its biggest problems are its tax burden, its government spending and its ability to meet budget, fiscal health, as well as its labour market freedoms. Now, it's fair to say, though Australia over the last 20 years, 30 years, has grown exponentially Uh, in size and scale and today it's like the 13th biggest economy in the world it's an amazing amazing story australia but for a lot of people their wages have not kept up with how fast australia has grown now australia likes to grow by two or three percent every year at the moment it's a bit higher than that because obviously there's global things occurring which are making inflation run higher or headline inflation so for a lot of people they have not even kept up with basically australia's business plan australia comes out with a budget it comes out with a forecast that says we want to grow by two or three percent that means you have to grow by two or three percent a lot of australians have failed to do that they have not grown by two or three percent they rely on their wage their wage does not grow two or three percent other australians have gone I can meet that 2 or 3%. I can keep up with that. I'm going to do it through the share market. or I'm going to do it through the property market. And of course, for those people in the property market, they've well and truly exceeded that 2 or 3% every year in growth Australia has created over the last 30 years. Now, again, when it comes to freedoms, the question I have is are we going to be more free when we're circling around our retirement or less free? Now, when you think about the four problems Australia has, it is problems of its tax burden. Uh, Because there's a lot of government departments today, there is a need for a lot of tax to be created. When it comes to its fiscal health, quite often you'll hear state governments, local councils, even the federal government basically missing budget. They spend more than what they believe things cost. And of course, uh, when there's too much tax burden, what that does to a country is it becomes a problem for its people. Its people can't innovate. Its people can't grow because they're slugged too high with tax. Now, again, we've been blessed in the past, into the future. Will tax burdens change the economic landscape, the economic freedoms of Australia. I personally think they will because, again, we here in Australia love a few concepts which I think could be done better. Now, I think the first thing that will disappear As we enter our retirement years, is going to be the pension. The pension was designed before superannuation. Superannuation is designed to replace the pension. If people's superannuation is starting to do what it's meant to do, why do we need the tax burden of the pension? Now, I think that's a good thing. I think, you know, obviously some people will need a helping hand, which is also a good thing. But why we have to become property investors now is so we lessen the burden on the system because the system itself is not going to be able to prop everything up now again i think sometimes we live as australians in a lucky country we kind of take it for granted you know uh you know if you don't want to work, you can kind of go down to Centrelink and get some money. Like, it's a bit la-la land. And because it's a bit la-la land um, and it's become la-la land, basically it does feel like just about every time someone needs uh, a whinge, they'll get money. And even worse is quite often you'll have governments just wasting money 20 million here, 50 million there, 30 million there on stuff which makes no sense. Like you hear it all the time. Oh, the government bought that, they don't know what to do with it. Or that train line that goes to like train lines are built that go to nowhere. So the tax burden that is being created is is going to weigh also our financial freedoms into the future. And, of course, I think one of the problems is the idea around what that actually looks like um, when it comes to future government spending. Now, the problem for many countries around the world is when their government becomes the biggest industry, uh, you get the result of the government quite often becomes excessive in the way it operates it over-regulates business. Now, today in business, there's a lot of businesses which are fundamentally dying industries because of over-regulation. Now, of course, they are regulated because something comes along and says, we should regulate that. But again, what that does is now we need more tax to pay for the government department to regulate something which potentially is just over-regulated. And when we look at Australia's situation as an economy and why it's it ranks so high it's really its rule of law it's not necessarily its fiscal health or how the government operates the government here in australia can be disciplined but also can be quite overregulated when it comes to how it operates there does feel like there is a new department for everything and quite often what happens is, which I find mind-blowing, they'll spend $30 million changing government department names every three years. Used to be called this, now it's called that. So there is this kind of undertone, if you like, that really when we look at the biggest industries in Australia, state government administration today is huge. Like it's it's bigger in some respects than the banking industry. Now, again, like, we have to just be mindful that there are places in Australia whereby they are being propped up by public hospitals, like the, the townships. You are now po- propped up by public services, hospitals, government administration, Um, you know, these are the things where, like, you go to the town. You go, what What do you guys do here? Like, what's the industry? And then they go, well, they're government departments here. And you go, oh, okay, great. And so, what do you guys do? Oh, yeah, we work at, uh, you know, the local sporting sporting club. And you're like, okay, so is there actually an industry, or is it is it just fire economics? The 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 idea that today finance, real estate and insurance basically work with government to go well we need to build more houses sell more houses to people go start a coffee shop this is how we'll create jobs jobs that do nothing but it will create productivity we'll do that bit you put the government department there and then we're all sweet we're all going around in circles so again this comes back to This is what is happening out there. Now, I might, I don't know if I sound like a crazy conspiracy theory guy or, I don't know, you know, like you don't want to hear this type of stuff, but this is what a lot of townships are like in Australia. Now, again, let's go back to the fundamentals of real estate. Let's buy quality real estate, urban areas, make sure they're close to a bucket load of jobs but a diverse amount of jobs and not reliant upon a government department being in the area to prop up the workforce. The only caveat to that is I do think Canberra is, you know, just amazing. Like, like it is the Canberra effect in Canberra, but uh, when it comes to future fiscal health, there's obviously money needed to pay for that. And, Like that has to come from somewhere. And again, like I think us as property investors, our job is to be an investor, like not hope Australia is going to do better. And I think there is an undertone of, well, if I don't invest, that's fine as well because I think Australia will just be a prosperous place. But what if Australia does not end up being as prosperous as it has been now how that does look like is just there's less pie to go around there's less money floating around um and again it becomes very much a have and have not society hence why i like buying in livability areas highly livable places because Because they're livable or there's a lot of livability there or they're very nice places, the odds are that there will be more rich people down the track, there'll be more middle class people down the track and because there'll be more rich people and more middle class people down the track, I want to own real estate where they want to go. I don't want to go where people are struggling down the track because I think down the track there will be a fiscal tight tightening, if you like, and again, like when we look at some of the headwinds when it comes to aging population, uh, certainly around the world, it will suppress real economic growth. And Australia is kind of blessed that we, you know, like to invite immigration, and many immigrants want to come here, so we've been handling it better than most. Um, but I think certainly some of that ideas around migration economics is going to be a battleground. Um, We could be paying for people to relocate to Australia down the track to prop up the system. So my advice to you is I would be thinking that, you know, you've got to invest now. Property rights are going to transform into the future. I'm already seeing it. Uh, Today, developing a property, you've got to pay a contribution to affordable housing. Um, Today, many properties are set aside for key workers to rent before they buy. Uh, For example, in, in Melbourne, there are properties that, for developments to go ahead, need to be retained by the developer and lease for five years to certain workers in government so that they actually can live in a neighbourhood, a town plan to make it function. So police officers, school teachers, they can now take five-year leases over properties and then uh, fundamentally like an option buy them after their lease which I think is good, certainly, to create balance in society, but is it actually eroding economic freedoms? Well, uh, I'll let you be the judge of that. Is the Queensland government taxing people from Victoria and New South Wales and South Australia trying to buy in Queensland, eroding economic property rights? I'll let you be the judge. But don't underestimate, we are in the rise of a new political narrative around the world. There is a broken housing market at a global level. It is dividing entire countries. Uh, And again, I, I think if you fast forward and you go, you know what, I think I'll skip this decade and not invest. I'll do it next decade. It's very possible that property investment will be just... it 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 won't exist like we know it. Uh, The build to rent movement has started today. There are corporate brands delivering properties all over the world, huge companies providing housing solutions for people who can't afford to buy their own home. And of course, can't afford to be property investors. And, you know, as such, there is just more money at the top of the funnel than there is at the bottom of the funnel and i think what you will see is into the future you know uh, a lot of rent to buy kind of scenarios where uh today you know the the renter of today is is funneled into buying real estate over a 10-year period in installments of a major corporate player so Why I tell you that is I think you just got to get your ducks in a row and, again, outwit the future of property rights diminishing through things like build to rent, buy real estate in a place where everyone wants to rent. Uh, And by doing that, even if there are rental uh, discrepancies down the track, you've still got a better offer. Into what that looks like. Now, remember, like, I think we are seeing the rise of a different science politically, which is eroding our financial freedoms. Will Australia be ranked 12th 10 years from now? I'm going to do a podcast 10 years from now. I'm going to take a note, I'm going to put it in my calendar to see how we economically score is Australia actually a better place to live 10 years from now, 15 years from now than what it is today? And of course, I think, you know, you just have to go over to New Zealand to see what that looks like. New Zealand recently has gone through a very, very heavy uh, space of really political intervention into property rights it's made it harder to buy properties hardest for investors to exist what that has done is made really almost like this quasi-socialism occur within this kingdom of new zealand and all of a sudden you've got you know people who are working hard trying to get ahead find it very very difficult on even a good income to be an investor why the country does not want more landlords it wants to do something completely different and again for people who are landlords that's like they're in right they've kind of in the game it's for harder for people who aren't so the hurdle to become an investor is just so much harder now inside of new zealand So my advice is become an investor as soon as possible because there is a bit of an attack at a global level on, uh, you know, certainly the housing situation. You know, there's obviously a movement to make things more affordable, to protect more tenants, to give certainly tenants more rights, to give you know, more flexibility to a have and have not society. And some of it, you know, makes a lot of sense, but some of it also is eroding economic freedoms. And, you know, again, will your investment freedom be taken? Like, don't let it happen. Don't end up um, investing too late and, you know, tackling some bigger obstacles down the track because today you feel like money costs too much to rent from the bank. I can tell you money is still very, very cheap and is well below its medium level of pricing. However, invest smart, invest where there's diverse economies, invest where there's real economies, not fake economies. It's a lot of fake places inside of australia to own real estate in and of course if those places suffer from a uh, productivity issue into the future and fundamentally or a decision on government to change the department and put it somewhere else all of a sudden a lot of those areas lack true fundamentals so guys uh i think you know as the famous Kerry Packer once said life isn't a dress rehearsal so make the most of it invest now uh, into the future I guarantee you economic freedoms are going to be taken away it's going to be harder to invest so don't wait too long to uh, to participate Um I don't know about you i think it's going to be harder into the 2030s and 40s than what it has been in the past i can tell from a global level there are population wars at play hey maybe you like hungary's idea of uh income tax free parenthood makes a lot of sense to me okay see you later guys i'll catch you soon Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.